Okay, everybody, thank you for tuning in to Psych in the City podcast, a podcast about nothing and everything. We are back with Patty. We are talking about police, police issues, America today. We're talking about it all. Patty, thank you for coming back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're going to jump right back in. I've got some good questions for you from the folks at home. Um, we were talking about how you were saying that on last week's episode that parents were just kind of like, take him, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's like kind of almost a different issue from what we're dealing with now. You know, because parents now I feel like almost care too much. I mean, in California, I feel like this is a very different experience than what maybe you were seeing. Um, and I'm also coming from the background of like the education system and like mm-hmm. parents that are like, something is wrong with my kid. I, I, he needs counseling. He needs this. He needs that. So. Um, but that's that's the minority. That is not the majority. Yeah. You know, um, you know, my partner is a is a public school teacher for the New York City Board of Education, and you know, she is a a literacy coach. So she gets brought in to try and save these schools that are going under. Mm-hmm. And you know, the stories that I hear that she tells me, like teachers are afraid to call the parent because. The parent will show up at 9 or 9.30 with the kid, bring him to school, and because that's when I woke up. Mm. And so then the teachers, the principal, everybody's scared to approach this person. If your attitude when you walk into school is, this is the time when I woke up, this is when I'm bringing my kid. Yeah. And then the kid reeks, reeks of marijuana when he comes in. His clothes are dirty. He hasn't eaten breakfast. So now this kid comes in, he sees how dad is talking to the teacher so now this same kid at 9 30 when they're in the middle of work he'll whip out his breakfast yeah i'm gonna eat now i don't care what you say yeah it's a disrespect it's it's and this is the reason why we're going through what we're going through now because there is no there's no family structure there's no respect for anyone yeah because that's like that's a disrespect on so many levels as far as you're not respecting that teacher's time in preparation. You're not respecting the other students that are going to be in the class with you. And the teacher is afraid to reach out to the parent because the society we live in now is the teacher is going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. The teacher is going to be getting in trouble for, and it's not even the actual action. It's the threat of the action. I'm going to call the school board and tell them that you were doing the da-da-da-da. I'm going to tell them that you were uh, abusing my kid. Yes. Um, so I want to keep talking about police, everything. I've got a lot of questions. One of them is, how can we address civilian concerns associated with topics like qualified immunity? Will you actually tell me what qualified immunity is? I've never heard of qualified immunity. Really? Yeah. Okay. So my understanding, again, if I had a production team that could look this up, this is when they would be looking it up. Qualified immunity, I think, has to do with you as a cop 
can shoot and kill someone and not be charged with murder because you are qualified to make that decision. Oh, that's not that's not what in New York. Um, that's not a term that we use. When I went through the academy and I was trained in how to use my firearm, we are taught to stop the threat. Mm. It's not, um, and and it, and it's common sense. Think about it. You get somebody who's the the average male now is like six two. Um, well, they're five eleven, but their Tinder say, says they're six two. But yeah, okay. <laughs> so you got a guy who's six two. He's he's a decent build. Let's say 200, 220, and he's shooting at you. I shoot him in the arm. Yeah. What do you think he's gonna do? Keep shooting at you? Yeah. I shoot him in the leg. What do you think he's going to do? He's going to keep shooting, right? Yeah. Because guess what? If I get shot in my arm, if I get shot in my leg, I'm going to keep shooting. Yeah. Because I'm going to survive. Yeah. So it's, you're not stopping that threat. Mm. It's to stop a threat. It's not like back in the day. You say, police don't move. Put your arms up. Put your weapon down. Nobody complies. Mm. They don't. And that's kind of rooted in what you were saying about the respect. Yeah. Respect for authority. So while you were talking, I looked up what qualified immunity is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is defined as a judicially created doctrine that shields government officials from being held personally liable for constitutional violations like the right to be free from excessive police force for money damages under federal law. Uh, so, yeah. If think- we're indemnified from DMYPD, we cannot be personally sued. Mm-hmm. Because a job indemnifies us. They will cover us because we are acting in scope of our duties. Yeah. I think that that's, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. You so um, before I get into the next juicy question, let's talk about George Floyd. Okay. That cop was racist, whether he was... A barista at Starbucks. He was the guy who's going to be spitting in your coffee. Yeah. He's the guy who's going to be spitting in your burger at McDonald's. He was just a racist who happened to be a, a cop. cop. Yeah. And there's so much more to the story. They knew each other. They worked together. Yeah. You know, um, so and and leaning on someone's neck and feeling them take their last breath, that's... That's a crime of passion. Yeah, that's very intimate. That's, he knew him. He had a personal vendetta against him. And it was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And because I'm wearing this uniform, it's going to keep everybody at bay, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and they're not going to try and do anything. And whatever beef they had, like this guy was, he was just a racist individual. And I like every time, um, someone who who is white or or whatever the case may be they could be african-american they'll always say oh but their wife was a minority or you know if it's an african-american oh but his wife was white or yeah her husband was white or you know it's kind of like the guy that has uh you know 60 convictions on his rap sheet and they show like his communion picture i love it yeah it's like like call it for what it is the man was racist yeah. He was racist, and it just, him being a cop afforded him that opportunity to do what he wanted to do. 
but he was racist. That's bottom line. It has nothing to do with with our training. I was never taught to subdue somebody. That you way. put, you know, your mm-hmm. knee to their neck. Yeah. You know, that's that's just that's not part of our training. I don't know of other states, but as far as New York City, that's not something that we're trained to do. Um. So there's been a lot of like media attention around the people, the cops that were there with him. There's like two or three other cops Mm -hmm. that just watched. So if you were in that position, like how do you, how do you almost like police each other? Because I, I mean, I am not a police officer, but in my eyes, if I was standing there and we're subduing this, this person, because I think it was a, a, forged or not forged um counterfeit bill or something 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 like that that. how do you yeah i feel like i'm about to answer my own question but i feel like that comes from a mutual respect of the other person of like hey this is the cop that i work with on this beat like Mm -hmm. be like hey so and so like how do you see i don't know what their um what the relationship was between those right, cops. Right. I don't know if I think one guy was like brand new. Yeah, so he might have been scared mm-hmm. to say something because you see these other seasoned veterans. Yeah. you know, because um, you think, oh, it's gonna come back to me, backlash, whatever. I don't. I can't do what everybody else is doing, which is what you know we refer to as like Monday morning quarterback. You know, I can't say like, oh, okay, I. This is what should right, have been done. This it, mm-hmm. because you're not in that situation. Yeah. I don't know, it's, you know, and, and the media just shows us what they want to show us. Yeah. They don't show us the whole picture. I don't know what transpired in that store. Yeah. I don't know what happened from when they took him out to the store to, to when he was on the floor. I don't know why they didn't pick him up and just put him in the car and get him out of there. Yeah. Like, to me, that, that whole, you know, they, they show bits and pieces, and I don't want to say, oh, yeah, I would have did this, or I would have did that. Um, that's not... That's not how I police, and mm-hmm. I've and let me tell you, I've been in many a fights where, you know, I've won some, I've lost some, you know, we've been on the floor. I've been many, many times where I've been in fights, and and once the handcuffs are on, they're on, and that's it. It's end of story. Right. You know. Um, but people are not. They're not seeing it for what it is. Like they, they glorified this person who who did have a criminal record. He 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 had you know forged bills. Like everybody's losing sight of like what actually brought the cops there. Mm-hmm. Somebody called the police. Yeah. And they responded. And this man, this cop happened to respond who knew him, and whatever their beef was, that's what made this escalate. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because, you know, all cops are racist. Like that's just people are just blowing this out of context it's not that all cops are racist they're they're not looking at it for what it is and Mm. what happened there what does it have to do with new york or you know la or chicago what have you like all this all this rioting like i'm gonna steal a pair of sneakers and a tv because i'm gonna prove that the cops are racist yeah like what what's that all about what's that all that rioting about Mm -hmm. and then they're rioting in the same stores where they're gonna go and buy the next day and or work working or work communities or work because they weren't they weren't burning they weren't rioting in a walmart out in long island yeah 
They weren't doing that. They were doing it in their own neighborhoods. Yeah. There's so many questions. Again, I'm trying to order them. But um, so for the writing, I know that I think that there are definitely some people that were taking advantage of the situation. Even up here in Walnut Creek, there was um, obviously protests and things like that in San Francisco and Oakland, and there weren't any protests that I heard of in Walnut Creek, but there was looting in Walnut Creek, and people broke into stores and were stealing things, so I do see where people are, like, taking advantage. Same thing with coronavirus. People were buying up hand sanitizers. People are always going to try to get a leg up, but what I've been reading is people are saying it's a way to respond as in protesting and maybe even rioting. I'm coming from a place of curiosity. I don't even pretend to say that I know everything about this topic. They're saying this is the the communication, the way that people communicate when they are not being heard. But stores that they targeted were also black-owned stores. Yeah. Did you see so the, now that makes that yeah. makes even less sense because you now you're saying that Black Lives Matter, but but it only matters if you're low income, if you don't own a business, yeah. if you live yeah. in the projects. Like mm-hmm. so, that mom and pop store, we can loot it, we can burn it down, because it's for the cause. Mm. Mm-hmm. What happens to that that couple? Their hard work, everything they've done, and then to build a store in their community, not to go outside of the community, but to build it within their own community, and then you're going to burn it down. I think there was a footage that I saw from the Rodney King riots where there's a a black man sitting outside of his business being like, not my store, not my store, like just distraught. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is, which segues into this question that was was asked about, um, sorry, what do you think, what do you think about police reform and Black Lives Matter? Like, what, what is the solution? Like, okay, there's, there's unrest. It's not new. This mm-hmm. is something that's been happening. This happened for Rodney King. You know, this happened with Abner Luima because that was in New York. Um, right. You know, and then in New York, they, they couldn't make it a, a racist thing. Then it, was, then it just became police brutality. Right. Because it couldn't be a racist thing with Abluna because, you know, the cop's fiance or his wife was African American. Mm. So this was just, again, this was just somebody who was an evil person that did what he did to this to this gentleman, and that's what people are losing sight. This is a racist man, mm-hmm. because you know what? When I was running in to a burning building with a freaking plane attached to it. Yeah. I didn't care if the person I was pulling out was African-American, Puerto Rican, Chinese, Muslim. I didn't care who they were. It was about saving that life. Yeah. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know what, when I get a radio run and it says, there's a man with a gun or, you know, female called and says that, you know, there's that her boyfriend is is holding her at gunpoint Nobody asks, what's the nationality of the female? Yeah. 
Like, you know, what's her socioeconomic status? Nobody's asking that. You just go and you help. Mm -hmm. And that's what people are losing sight of. And this whole thing with, you know, defunding the police and they want to get these neighborhood people to, to come and help out. In a weekend alone, there were 91 people that were shot in New York City in one weekend. Yeah, We're talking about two days, 91 people were shot. None of those shots had to do anything with the police, and they were all black-on-black crimes. Mm-hmm. So where's your riding on that? Mm-hmm. Where is the justice for that? Nobody's making a big deal about that. Mm-hmm. So a black life only matters when a cop is involved. Mm. Like that's, you know, it's kind of like the people that pick and choose what they want from the Bible. Like you can't say, okay, if a cop does it, then we protest. But if 91 people get shot, including a one-year-old boy that was just buried the other day, okay, a four-year-old girl that got shot, nobody's riding, nobody's protesting mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It's okay because you know what? It was a black-on-black crime. Yeah. We can kill ourselves as long as the cops don't do it. Like as long as there's no authority difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, like I, and again, I bring up like I have many brothers and they never had a situation where a cop pulled them out of the car or they were on the corner at three o'clock in the morning at 80, you know, when it's still 90 degrees at night, wearing a bomber jacket, standing in front of a grocery store. Like, you know, if you get pulled over, I tell this to my daughter, if you get pulled over, turn off the car, Take the keys out of the ignition. Turn on the interior lights. Roll down the window. This way there's no threat. They see what's going on in the car. Yeah. I have driven by police cars that are pulling somebody over and the windows crack maybe about an inch. Like, yeah, yeah, what do you want? Like, Mm. where is the respect for our authority? Mm -hmm. this This is why all this is going on because there is no respect for anyone. Mm hmm like we're all like wild animals now yeah like mutual mutual respect for other people not just for anyone yeah for anyone Mm -hmm. there's no respect this not even our own mayor has respect for anyone i feel like your mayor is an italian guy i don't know what he is but um (laughs) because he changed his name pictures of him it's blasio but he did change his name oh his, his name wasn't de Blasio. He changed it for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, but I think as a mayor, you're supposed to support, especially your law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what I find funny is that he wants to take away money from the police department. But why isn't he starting with his detail? Because he has a detail of police officers right. that protect them 24-7. Right. And why, as a mayor, would you need protection from the same people who voted you in? Mm-hmm. If you're trying to be that I'm for the people, right. why do you need protection from, from them? the people? Why isn't that? Why don't we start with all these politicians and remove that detail from them? So I want to talk um, a little bit more about the, the community, the defunding the police and the community aspect that um, people are suggesting as a solution. And I think that, um, I mean, I grew up in Vacaville. It's a very small town. But our police department is very heavily involved in the community. 
where people feel a sense of there's a relationship there and i can speak to this because i worked there i mm-hmm. rode along many times um and i think that there is something there as far as reform um i i was reading something about police that are policing the neighborhoods or the towns that they don't live in Mm -hmm. and how that affects because it's kind of like when you go somewhere else I mean when you go somewhere else and you would like litter or like oh I'm not gonna clean this up because I don't live here that's not something that I personally would do because I do have a respect for other places and other people but um I do see the the benefit of okay the cops in town that i know they live here the kids go to school here they go to um the night where you know everyone has barbecues and the cops come around where there's they have worked very hard to create a positive relationship with the people that live in this town mm-hmm. and i think that there is something there so what do you think about okay the the defunding the police and focusing on community officials where i think i see the benefit of that a little is a lot of issues with drug addiction or homelessness i'm trying to think of things that affect california and i know that you're gonna have a different take on this a lot of these things can be helped with more public service more funding for public services like homeless shelters or better better um easily accessible um therapies and things Mm -hmm. like that that's not quite the right word but these programs can help and do alleviate some of the stress because i remember going on a ride along for a wellness check for someone um and i just thought like this is at first I was like, this is weird. Like you're their neighbor. Like, why would you, why wouldn't you just go and check? But that's what they did. And then you have to call the police cause you can't break and enter. But then other things where it's like, Oh, I hear an argument. I hear yelling and screaming. That's where I'm like, well, why didn't that person go? I mean, I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot of different ways you could take that as far as like our relationship with community has changed. Right. Like yes. I have been totally overwhelmed in a good way with the outpouring of our neighborhood for us right now. And, um, you know, we built that. But that's not something that is everywhere where people look out for each other. They build these relationships. The cops are a part of that. Like I see the benefit of more community programs but who's to say they're even going to be taking advantage of that? And then there are some situations where you do need police to respond. Even when it was things that where we had to call the fire department, I remember being on ride-alongs where we had to go and make sure it was safe. Well, as far as um, defunding, it, it all really comes back to, to the mayor. Yeah. When we were under Mayor Giuliani, he, he believed in community policing. Mm-hmm. Where a cop, we had a community policing unit and I was in that and you had, let's say, 10 blocks in your precinct, five to 10 blocks in your precinct and you knew every store owner. Yeah. They had your number. Yeah. You, you know, if, if, um, if there was a building 
you got in touch with that landlord. You got a tenant roster yeah. so that you can go in that building and you can do a vertical and you can see who lived there and, and get those people out for that community, for those people. I remember on my beat, I was talking to a bunch of guys and somebody called a 1013 because they thought that those guys were fighting with me. Mm. And it was the same store owners from that community because I was there for them. So they were looking out for me. Mm. You don't, you know, you don't have that now because they want to defund so much the the police department and they want to put like outreach people that if you get a dispute, these people go out and try and talk to this family when not realizing that disputes, more cops get hurt on dispute calls with domestic dispute calls than anything else Mm. because they can just escalate. People can change their mind and then they're attacking the police there was a week ago I read in New York, two guys were fighting. A woman tried to do what the mayor is saying in the community. Say, hey, listen, guys, right, right. let's mm-hmm. talk about it. What did they do? They turned around and shot her. So that that cannot work. It cannot work now when everything is the way that it is. That is not going to work. Mm-hmm. And then you get a call, let's say, for a domestic dispute. Now I have to worry about not only my own safety and my partner's safety, but the civilian person now who's going out with us to reach out with these people. Yeah. Now I got to worry about that person's safety because mm. you don't know how it, it can go from zero to 100 yeah. instantly. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't particularly, I don't, um, I don't agree with having these community outreach people. Mm-hmm. Just like I don't agree with a cop living and and working in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you know what? You go into the academy, you're like 21, 22 years old. Yeah. Okay? The majority, they're living at home. Mm-hmm. You may be living in a neighborhood that's that you're trying to get out of. Mm. And now guess what? Now you locked up John the drug dealer. Yeah. And guess what? Who you went to his, high school with. And his he knows boys are going to come back mm-hmm. and they're going to go to your mother. They're going to go to your sister or they're going to wait for you because now they know where you live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't agree with, you know, with with working in the same neighborhood where you live because we're all humans. And guess what? You know what? There may be that cop that be like, oh, that guy, you know, I remember he beat me up every single day in high school. Now I'm going to mess with him. Yeah. You know, we're, and those we're people exist. It exists regardless human. of the career. Yeah. So it's, it's, I, I, and I think that also there will be biases because guess what? If I go and I buy my bagel from, you know, from Ann and Bob every single morning and my coffee, if there's double parked cars in front, I know people are just going to get their coffee, you know, then it's kind of like unlawful gratuity because now it's like, I'm not going to write these cars up because you know what, then the people aren't going to go and and give them business because they're scared to get a ticket. And then that's my shop. So that's why I personally don't think that that, that that's the best thing to do. So, um, you mentioned Giuliani. Um, so what do you think the difference is of between being a cop under de Blasio and i been a cop Giuliani. under um, Giuliani and Bloomberg and, um, you know, and and it's funny because de Blasio is, I mean, his wife said it would be Nirvana if we had no police. Mm-hmm. And this is the, this is a woman who has 
seven security and you're yeah. saying that it would yeah. be nirvana if we had no police so um that tells you the where the mayor stands as far as the police mm-hmm. and um he just for him you know it's like cops are for him cops are wrong before they're right you know and yeah. he doesn't and although we are we are taught a certain way in the academy and we're taught laws and what we can and what we can't do he's kind of like saying oh yeah well no i know you were taught this but i'm saying that you can't do that mm. which you can't like again you can't pick and choose if it benefits you you know like mm-hmm. they had i don't remember where it was at but they had a protest where it was this couple they lived in a gated community the people broke the fence and came in so what do they show they show the woman all the time pointing a gun out which she was illegally legally had the right to do because they were on her property they were in a closed community Normally, somebody comes into a gated community, they get locked up for trespassing. Mm-hmm. But because people are rioting, it's okay. Mm-hmm. They can trespass, they can do whatever. What the media doesn't show you is that somebody in the group pulled out a gun on the woman. Mm-hmm. So that's why she took her gun out. But they don't show that because, of course, that's not going to rile everybody up. Mm. It's the media that's riling everybody up. They're showing you only enough to get you riled up, but they're not showing you the whole picture. Like how long did it it take to come out that George Floyd knew the cop? Yeah. It was like two weeks before that information came out. You don't think somebody knew that 30 minutes after? Yeah. But that doesn't sell papers. That doesn't make people watch CNN for 24 hours. So what is your ideal, like people are talking about okay, all cops are bastards because the system that you are part of is systematically racist. So you're talking about, okay, we were taught this way in the academy. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm curious is like, okay, so all of, so it's the profession of being a police officer is inherent like what i i how i explain to people and and normally once i tell them this they have a little better understanding like people do they don't understand the the responsibility that you have as a police officer that if you believe in god other than god who legally can take your life away is law enforcement Mm -hmm. right so that's a huge responsibility yeah. for anybody. And, and, and we spoke about that, you know, um, where you asked me, had I ever been shot at? And I told you, yes. But did I shoot back? No, because I thought if I shoot at that guy in the building, everybody else that's in right. that building, right. I can go yeah. into somebody else's window and kill somebody. So you have to think, like, you know, it, it's an, a huge responsibility that, that we're given. And... I think that the process in which they hire definitely think that that needs to be changed. Yeah, yeah. I truly feel that. And, you know, I can talk because I was hired in 1989. And I know that back then, although I had a college education, I know that you didn't have to have one. So these are people that were already working like 
from 18 years old. They were out there busting their ass. They were out there working. They knew what it was to get their hands dirty, to appreciate a paycheck. They knew that. You know, now you're getting these kids that are straight out of college. Half of them have never worked before. Mm -hmm. And now you're out there and you have this big responsibility and you don't know how to deal with it. You don't know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so that's where it's not about taking money away. It's not about hiring some some social worker to go out with the cops it's about your training within the academy and i'm not talking about you know uh your physical training i'm talking about just understanding different cultures just understanding you know how how different things work in different neighborhoods which is something that they don't really do they touch on it very lightly but they don't really do that and i think that that's what the issue is that's what the problem is yeah I think I agree with you on that, especially like when you go to college, it's less about what you learn in books and more what you learn about interacting with other people Mm -hmm. and learning about other people's stories and how they grew up and the things that they experienced and their point of view and getting curious about those things. It makes you think outside of your sphere of what you were saying was important. Or how you think your steps could impact someone else. So I think that there should, the training should be different. I think that there's been a lot of pictures online of like uh, training for police in America is like eight weeks. It's not that long. I don't know how long that is exactly. Again, if I had a production assistant, they would fact check me. Um, But in most other countries. Six months. Six months. Yeah. In most other countries, it's longer than that. Mm-hmm. But and it and it and it it can be, and and I think it should be. Um, but you also have to. It it all comes from your instructors. Like when I went through the academy, my instructor, he probably had about fifteen, sixteen years on. Like yeah. this was a seasoned veteran like mm-hmm. my gym instructor must have like 18 years on like yeah they were seasoned you yeah. know but now a lot of a lot of you know these instructors are you know they're on the streets four or five years and it's like all right they put them in the academy you know because hey it's it's i know this person or i know that person and yeah. they're going to take oh, care of me and, and yeah mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be like that there should be but as far as like there is no one that can tell me if if somebody is holding their child at gunpoint and now they take a shot at that person's kid and i respond as a cop you're not going to want me to kill that person and stop that threat mm-hmm. there's nobody that can tell me that they want me to shoot that guy in the foot yeah. or shoot him in the shoulder mm-hmm. after he's just shot your child. Mm. So what do you think is the answer? Training needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. And I think they need to do, I know they used to do it before. I don't know if they still do it now, but there used to be um, a citizens Academy. It was called mm-hmm. where they would invite community leaders um, clergymen to to or even anyone that was involved in the community to come and to take the Citizens Academy. Mm-hmm. And I was witness to the Citizens Academy where they would go through everything. Obviously, it wasn't the amount of time that we go through. Um, it was a couple of weeks, but 
they would go through different scenarios and they would even go to a shooting range yeah. and they would have different scenarios and every single person from the, the group that I saw, every single person shot the civilian mm. because they had that split second to make that decision. Yeah. And I, and I think that if they got civilians involved in that way, Mm-hmm. that they can understand what it is to have that split-second decision to say, okay, do I take that person's life or do I not? Yeah. No, we, uh, we ran a uh, simulation when I was in cadets where we, they're practicing, like, there's, I'm using the worst words. I want to say it was SWAT, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, oh, thank you. My production assistant has just let me know that training in the police cam- academy varies for different agencies. It usually takes about 13 to 19 weeks on average, but can last up to six months. Um, so thank you, production assistant. But I will say that there was one training that they ran where it was a hostage situation. I showed you the bullet when yes. I was cleaning up. And it was like save the person don't kill the civilian and it was stressful even just watching the make the decision to try to rescue this high profile person or even when we were hiding from um it was like we were playing cops and robbers but they had uh paint paintball bullets or whatever um feeling the nose of the gun come like right next to my eyeball and being like, I'm going to drop on the floor right now when they were starting to yell. Like my reaction isn't, I'm going to have a conversation with this person. It was, I'm in the wrong. I'm going to get down on the ground. I can't imagine being in that situation as the police officer. And let's say this is a real situation and there was someone that was a had a threat and was had a gun and being like okay do i shoot this kid or is this kid going to jump up and shoot me like what i don't pretend to say i know what i would do in that situation actually i do know what i would do i would hesitate and that could potentially cost me my life but i think with proper training information on both sides absolutely and i know it's going to rustle some people's feathers but i just think that the whole point of my podcast and something that i hold near and dear to my heart is like getting curious staying in the conversation and not i don't think anything i think is absolutely 100 percent correct or absolutely 100 percent wrong but i'm willing to learn And I don't think most people think that way, especially when it comes down to police reform and Black Lives Matter. I think that it's become very polarized and it's toxic because now both sides are just shouting at each other and no one's listening. How are you expecting to get anything done if you're not hearing both sides? Because... I read stories like Trayvon Martin, Breonna Taylor, and I listen to the tapes from Trayvon Martin of the cops saying, whatever, oh, these guys always get away. And he he shot him, 
But then when I learned about, I'm not justifying this at all. I know people are going to come for me, but that's okay. When I found out like, oh, there were people, there was like uh, an attack in the neighborhood fit the description. Yeah. And so, okay, this cop is now taking an oath to protect the and neighborhood. he knew no one that lived in that gated community. Right. And how did he get into the gated community yeah. if he didn't jump a gate? But on the other side is, where was the conversation? Where was the... But then it's also hard to say because Trayvon has grown up in a world that was uh, in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. So Trayvon has grown up in a world where... Uh, unarmed black people are getting shot all the time. He already has that fear of the police ingrained in him where he's like, I, I'm afraid I'm going to run. So it's like the information, the respect on both sides of, okay, it's not just the police officer, the information that he had of, okay, there's all these attacks in the neighborhood. How is this kid getting into this into this neighborhood? But also worldview and understanding, hey, this kid is going to start running because he's afraid. He's afraid of the police because of the America that he grew up in. He probably doesn't know. This could still be my suspect, A. But it could also be a kid who has no idea what's going on and is afraid. I'm, and so, as a cop, you say, why is he running? He's running because he's guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you haven't done anything wrong, why run? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and as far as you mentioned, Brianna, that was the EMT. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, there's a lot more to the story that they don't tell people. Yeah, like the fact that her current boyfriend had received a box that he took to her ex-boyfriend's house, mm-hmm. and that they had an undercover who did a buy in that ex-boyfriend's house mm-hmm. and purchased narcotics. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the reason why they targeted both houses and as far as i don't buy her boyfriend's story saying that he thought that it was why would he think that it was drug dealers coming in to rob him Mm. so then he's a drug dealer is he not yeah and then he says he was protecting his as he put it i was protecting my woman Mm -hmm. but you came out after her Mm. If you're protecting her, why did she, why was she the first one to come out of the room and you come out after her? Mm-hmm. Like there's so much to that story that either A, for because it's still being under investigation, they're not saying, but but there's a lot more um, to that story. And you know what? Maybe she was somebody who was dating this guy who was a drug dealer and now she didn't want that part of that, her, that life anymore. And that's why, you know, she was trying to get herself out of that mm-hmm. and got mixed in the crossfire. But as far as I've done numerous, hundreds of search warrants, if, I, if you're a drug dealer and I knock on your door yeah. and I say, police, we're coming in, you're going to run to the bathroom and you're going to flush all those drugs down the toilet. Mm-hmm. You're not going to say, okay, come in, the drugs are in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. not going to do that that's the reason why there's a no knock warrant so yeah. you can't get rid of evidence mm-hmm. but once you knock that door you announce yourself whatever agency you are NYPD, LAPD, whatever you are police, search warrant and you come into the house yeah. 
So it's it's a little hard for me to believe that the cops just went in and, and were in complete silence and never said police. Mm-hmm. I know that people are gonna hate me for that, but no. it's 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 the reality. Cops are in there looking for evidence. They're not even gonna have a discussion amongst themselves. Hey, you check, you know. You check the, the rooms to the right, make sure nobody's in there with weapons. You check to the left, make sure nobody's in there with weapons. They're going to be in complete silence. Yeah. So what do you think about the, okay, being a police officer is systematically racist, that it's creating you to be a, a cog of this wheel that is policing black and brown communities more heavily than white communities. Have you seen the 13th, the documentary? No. It talks a lot about the war on drugs and how that was kind of um, slowly came from the 13th Amendment and now the South was recovering from the Civil War and they were trying to get um, black and brown bodies to rebuild because you were free from slavery unless you were a felon. So then it just kind of flows into, okay, now we have the war on drugs and how oh, crack, you got a harder, more intense sentence, but cocaine, which was a white person's drug at that point, was you got kind of a lesser sentence, a slap on the wrist. If you, It introduces this idea of, okay, bail. You can, you can get bailed out if you are wealthier and if you are in a lower-income neighborhood getting caught for dealing crack, you know. So um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like when they got rid of the, the stop and frisk, which is, you can stop somebody, question them. And they were saying how, you know, in, in Harlem, you know, 85% of the people they stopped were black. But if you go to Harlem, 85% of the people that live there are black. Yeah. That's like saying, you know, I'm going down to Chinatown and now my numbers are going to be 90% of the guys that I stopped were Asian. Yeah. It's Chinatown. Mm-hmm. That's who lives there. Yeah. You know, um, I don't think that as far as the police involvement, I know for a fact in, in the 20 years that I, um, that I served, no district attorney ever asked me, how many years do you think we should give this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, that's out of our hands as far as sentencing. That's yes. completely out of our, our hands. Who gets bail? Who doesn't? Um, you know, that, that's, that's the judicial system that hasn't... All we do is you commit a crime, we lock you up, we take you to jail, and, you know, we take you to central booking, rather, and the courts deal with you from there. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think that... In, in situations where um, you, you have to look at the demographics where it's at, you know, and it, we still have people burning crosses in lawns in some states. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you can't say that a guy in New York, a black and a white guy, both did the same crime and one got more than the other. Mm-hmm. That's not, you know, you have to see where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are places that I wouldn't want to go to. Yeah. As a Spanish woman, even being, you know, a retired cop, I wouldn't want to go to mm. because they're not accepting. 
Yeah. My production assistant handed me some interesting information. So um, to become a plumber, students have to complete trade school and an apprenticeship that can take up to five years before obtaining a license. Average required three officers to complete 672 hours before joining the force. When becoming a barber, you have to go through 1,300 hours on average of training. So do you think that as far as police reform, do you think it's the amount of time or do you think it's the content or both? Um, I think it's I think it's the content more so in, um, you know, with the in the academy. I think that I think there needs to be a little more training as far as definitely with with culture. Mm-hmm. Um, like I got just really quick. I could tell you when I was in special victims and we got a call for um for this Asian boy, he had marks on his back. Yeah. And when I speak to the grandfather, where he's from, they wrap um, like coins and they heat them up and they rub them on the back. And it's their way of curing like asthma or any mm-hmm. chest congestion mm-hmm. without realizing that that leaves bruising. Mm-hmm. You know, to, so mm-hmm. that was a cultural decision I had to make there. Do I lock this man up? Is it is it really physical abuse? Yeah. Or is it something culturally that he doesn't understand we don't do here? Yeah. So these aren't things that they're... And obviously you cannot train somebody for every situation. Right. I get that. But I think there needs to... More needs to be done as far as your investigation. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think enough time is spent on that. Mm. Um, and also within the academy... And then I don't know about any other state, but I know in New York you're on probation for two years. Mm-hmm. And at any time you can be, within those two years, you can be fired. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the same everywhere else. And like I've said, I've never encountered um, any racism. And being not only a, a Spanish female, but also being a lesbian, I never, ever encountered any type of racism at all. Hmm. you know or any type of bias um you know in in any place that I worked and I worked in in several boroughs you know Manhattan and Brooklyn Queens and I never encountered that at all I think it's I think everything is a case by case and I don't think that the same way that African Americans don't want to all be grouped as like oh they're low lives or drug dealers or they're all on welfare they shouldn't group all cops as, oh, they're all racist. Mm-hmm. So you're talking culturally, and I agree with you. It's, um, And I think that that goes for a lot of jobs. It's a lot of what you learn is like you're going to learn better on the job. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that are like, okay, you have to fill out this form. You have to do this when you enter into a household you have to not you know announce yourself those are things that you're going to learn using repetition the core just the bare bones of the job of arresting someone booking them putting them in the car and those things arguably are going to be better reinforced by doing the job the Mm -hmm. things that aren't going to be continued to be reinforced are that is that cultural piece is the people piece is the being face to face with the community because it is about how you approach the situation 
and how you respond to it. But if you are a cop in that same situation with the special victim, you're not asking questions and you're just like, this is abuse, mm-hmm. not getting curious in the situation. Then I think that that continues to instill mistrust in a community in in the police force of being like, they didn't even ask. They didn't even allow me to explain. Um, when I did explain, they still said, well, that's too bad. I'm going to take you in. I'm, you know, you're going to lose custody. Of this but I think child, it's, it's, it goes to the training. Like when I, even though I had probably about, I don't know, maybe 12 years or something when I went to special victims, um, I still went out with someone that was seasoned. Yeah. That had the numerous investigations, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I don't think they're doing that because now it's just like, hey, we had 600 cops or whatever, 1,200 cops that graduated. So I'm going to take two brand new cops and I'm going to have them work uh, 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. in the morning and I'm going to put them in the middle of, you know, East New York. Yeah. Or I'm going to put throw them up by, you know, Washington Heights or I'm going to put them up in a neighborhood in the Bronx. And these could be two cops who live out in Long Island who never even came into the city other than now that they're in the academy. They've yeah. never come into Manhattan. They've never dealt with any of that. And now we're throwing them in there by themselves. Yeah. And that's a mistake that they do. They get an area where everybody's like, oh yeah, drugs are happening here. They're happening this and that. And they throw two rookies out in the street yeah. to take care of that situation. Um, what is your advice for for rookies, for people who want to become cops? Um, I think that you can't, um, you have to put your own biases, and everybody has biases, your own um, opinion of, of things to the side when you're out there. Mm-hmm. And whatever stereotypes, and it's, it's easier said than done, but those stereotypes also you got to like take them out of your mind and be like okay this person i'm going to deal with this person the way that this person is is dealing with me you know and not because oh yeah okay he fits the stereotype of let's say of a drug dealer or some thug or whatever you know um and i think that that's where they're having the problem and that's because you know coming straight from college into the police department you need to experience life a little I think before you can be out there and dealing with everything yeah. that's going on in the world. Any other th- closing thoughts? Um, no. Oh, no. Just respect one another. Respect one another. You heard it here first, folks. Well, I'm sure we're going to get some good messages. And oh, comments. I'm sure I'm going to get some bad ones. Um. And I would love for you guys to slide into the DMs. You can send me an email, psych at the city, psych in the city podcast at gmail.com. I would love to get some more insight from the peeps. Um, try to stay as neutral as possible because I love you. And I also want the information to get there. I don't want it to become a yelling match where it's, this side versus that side because that's not going to get anything done i think that there's a lot to learn from both sides of the conversation so patty thank you so much oh thank you for coming on and sharing um tune in next week guys we'll have some more 
episodes for you. We drop every Friday at one o'clock. Psych in the City on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. So please like and subscribe. Thank you guys so much.